right now at Kohl's. Take an extra 25% off top active brands, including Under Armour for her. Get Nike shoes for the family, $48.75 and under, and save on Levi's denim for the family. Plus, get limited contact store drive up and get even more for your wallet with Kohl's Cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. 25% off Under Armour ends August 9th. Nike ends August 8th. Levi's sale ends August 30th. Offers and coupons do not apply. Select styles. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Sunaina and you're listening to Talk CXO Life. And we are back, guys, with the second part of our conversation with Venkatesh Maheshwari, Senior Vice President, Aditya Birla Fashion. So what does it take to climb the highest peak in the world? How do you manage it with a full-time job and that you're at a leadership position? Where do you start? When can you start? How late is too late? How close does one get to giving it all up? And where do you poop? Why would one risk it all and how every minute of oxygen matters when you're on that mountain? Come, let's listen to our concluding segment with Venkatesh where he takes us through his journey of scaling Mount Everest and lists moments filled with awe, fear, love, trust, humor, gratitude and most importantly, humility. As Venkatesh puts it, one can conquer anything with not just one's feet firmly on the ground but also one's head on the ground. Happy listening. What is the triggering point when you said, this is it, I have to do it? So, I had done a lot of research being in the mountains for many years on what mm. it takes for an Everest expedition. The risks are very, the known risks are very clear, uh, right. frostbites, mm. avalanches, exhaustion, dehydration. Most of the deaths happen because of uh, exhaustion. Very few deaths happen because people fall off the mountain. But it's surely your endurance, physical mm. endurance, your ability to manage the environment, cold, so on. So I had planned for all those risks and I mm. knew researching that what I would uh, need to do in terms of equipment, preparing my body, uh, mm. so on. And somewhere I felt that with my kind of determination, I could at least do the risks which are in my control, which is endurance, the climbing technical skills, being smart about managing frostbites, not mm. exposing yourself to too much cold. Something like a wind factor or avalanche is beyond your control. Mm. And though I knew a lot about uh, Preventing myself from a fall, arresting myself. But sometimes things uh, are out of control. Right. A windstorm can come and you are at God's mercy. <laughs> yeah. That that will happen. Yeah. These are known risks mm. on the, the mountain. And I did a lot of physical preparation in the last 18 months to prepare my body. And I clearly knew that I had to prepare my body from that of a 45-year-old to that of a 25-year-old. In, in one and a half? In a, in, in a year and a half time. Okay. And uh, and I set out exactly what I'm going to do, in at what level I'm going to prepare myself in each of the quarters I was doing three, three months. Three, three months. And then... <laughs> quarterly. <laughs> my quarterly targets. Yeah, quarterly targets. Apart from your work. And the technical skills which were required to climb, which I did most of my climbing because mm-hmm. I was late to join proper institute and I didn't have a time. I engaged private trainers. I identified private right. trainers and I knew I could learn with them. And then I said, look, I have all this information. Let me give it a shot. I, I think I can do it. Luckily for me, my office supported me a lot. I knew that the environment in the office, they would support me if I spoke mm. to them. And I did speak to them before. Okay. And they said, okay, go ahead and chase your dream. Mm. And that's really nice of the company. I'm happy to work with this group, Aditya Birla Group. Right. And I had a great 
team who mm-hmm. was working with me though they didn't know about it but they were running the entire show and mm-hmm. i as, as my leadership style i typically let my team run the show and that's mm-hmm. why i get into things for 6 months a year i build it let them run and mm-hmm. i try to move on in life mm-hmm. to to some other role so i prepared my team very well to take on my role and so that i could get some free time to train and while my office knew that i was delivering my job but mm-hmm. i was just making enough time to ensure good business continuity mm-hmm. as well as um, train for it i needed a lot of time to train and i was going into the himalayas some of my routine would be that i would fly on a friday evening to delhi there would be a cab waiting at the airport mm-hmm. and i would take a cab overnight into haridwar another cab would wait for me take me to the mountains where my trainers were i would train for about 7 to 8 days come back in a vegetable truck because wow. private vehicles were not allowed on the mountain overnight really so yeah, okay. they are not allowed uh, on the in the mm-hmm. high mountains, mountains. they only allowed private vehicles mm-hmm. in the daytime so your only way to come back is to come on a vegetable truck yeah. which fly okay. <laughs> and i would take a ride with the driver come back to haridwar smelling like vegetables <laughs> i think with 8 days in the mountains without a shower i think i was smelling worse okay. <laughs> it days no shower no okay. shower and yeah so the vegetable truck i would often look to me <laughs> and like where is this guy, where this guy coming, coming from? from dirty smelling stinky and we just go to the mountains with two pairs of clothes uh, to train so <laughs> it's it's uh, not a very pleasant feeling you can't even feeling. look glamorous huh? yeah burnt all tan all tan salt and pepper over the face right. and i would come back in the truck to haidwar and then take a and the cab from there to the airport take mm. the evening flight on sunday back to mumbai late night uh, arrive back in mumbai and monday i would resume work wow so that is what my okay. schedule would look like and mm. sometimes often monday morning i would hit back the gym and i stopped driving my car totally i would take a uber to work and i would sleep i'm going to ask you what about sleep <laughs> I would sleep in the Uber because I was doing self driving. I used to be so exhausted that right. I would sleep for about 45 minutes. Then in lunch break often I would take my colleague's keys, car keys mm-hmm. and go and sleep in the parking lot for another hour. Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> go back uh, to 2 o'clock people would wonder where I was and uh, then work again for 3 to 4 hours and mm-hmm. take a Uber back where I would again sleep <laughs> and come back to my apartment and hit the gym again. Wow. So so that was my routine. And so in the morning when would you kind of again hit it morning again i would either be running or in my apartment building where climb there are 51 floors, stories yeah. my favorite exercise to do endurance was to climb stairs which wow. i would do with 16 kgs on me a 12 kg backpack and 2 kgs of ankle weights each on my legs to simulate the right. kind of boots i would be wearing on the mountain mm-hmm. and i would use an altitude training mask which okay. would simulate me as if i was climbing at 15000 feet mm-hmm. so i would do that and climb my building up and down 6 to 10 times based on how much time i had to build my kind of endurance wow that's so, amazing <laughs> did you read about these things on some blog or something i just it was something that just dawned upon you just like that so i previously trekking though people uh, don't do people do general cardio strength yeah. i knew that uh, for me i didn't want to go wrong on the mountain it was okay for me if i would fail because of a weather issue a mm. wind storm or something but i really didn't want to do that i didn't prepare myself mind. enough so right. i wanted to prepare myself more than uh, anybody else and mm. i knew that that's one thing i don't want to say regret because right. there's only one opportunity yeah. i would get to climb right. so i prepared myself in whatever way in terms of physical 
technical training and preparation and the equipment. I spent about six months researching every equipment I would be mm. using for the climb, right from my socks on the summit nights, the kind of socks I would be wearing, what is the best technology. And I selected one sock which is manufactured in a small town in Spain. That sock is what I would be using for the last three nights. That would be the best to prevent frostbites, the kind of gloves, what people had used. How would I manage my nature's call in the morning at high altitude? So those are the things I researched about, prepared about. I had stopped drinking bottled water altogether so that my body would be more immune. Uh, Normally on the mountains, the first thing which happens to many people is they get caught with diarrhea on the mountains and... I really just wanted to build my mm-hmm. immunity. So yeah. I would just uh, drink normal water wherever mm-hmm. I could. Wow. Okay. <laughs> practical. Uh, practical, practical, you know, practical. All, all tips. Yeah. All tips. You really thought it through, really. Yes, I mean, yes. A to Z. <laughs> yes, and uh, what happens is this, sometimes this nice Himalayan glacier water, what yeah. they talk about is good for the advertisements. <laughs> but if you actually drink that water, <laughs> you may have a... <laughs> your st- <laughs> Uh, system will go for a toss it will go for a toss right? and there are no uh, loose also yes there. no and <laughs> and uh, you're already dehydrated on a climb right. mm-hmm. uh, when you're climbing uh, you're dehydrated the air is very dry you don't want to have diarrhea right out there. so dehydration is one big symptom which many climbers have to abort that trip and that happened with one of the climbers i saw in one group in a group this time, which was of 10 climbers, one of them had severe frostbites on all the 10 fingers. He mm-hmm. was a climber from Austria and a lady caught diarrhea. So those things which I knew about, I really saw it happening. And it's sometimes very disturbing because mm-hmm. um, people have prepared for sometimes two years, two and a half years, gathered up the funds for the climb. Sure, yeah. And yet one some small thing yeah. goes wrong and uh, it's not easy to come back. It's quite expensive, I guess. From it is expensive. <laughs> Climbing is an expensive sport. It's right. an expensive sort, uh, mm-hmm. sport and uh, especially uh, Everest is very expensive because they want to restrict the number of climbers. The permit costs are very high. The expedition cost is very high. There are mountains which are in the 8,000 meter plus. There are 14 mountains which are about 8,000 meters. Everest being the tallest mm-hmm. and the most expensive one. The others could be even one third the cost or lower oh, to climb. Okay, But it's because it's the Everest. It's because it's Everest. The right. permit cost is very high. Mm-hmm. The permit cost itself is so high right. that uh, some of the other neighboring peaks can be done in the cost of the permit itself <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow okay. but but that's how they restrict the number of people climbing Everest mm. you've got to be even serious I think and you that's want serious. to be serious because you really you don't want to shell out all that kind of money and just I'm going there to have a look at it you really right. want to climb it and that's why I prepared so much because mm. I knew I was investing a lot of it I may mm not get another opportunity like this where my office also supports me for this 18-month journey Mm -hmm. to take some time off. And though I didn't take a long duration off other than the climb, I would Mm -hmm. do capsules of one one week training. And the weekends, the Friday, Saturday, Mm -hmm. Sundays in the mountains near Mumbai in the Sayadris, I would train. But I would not get an opportunity like that again. So I wanted to really give it my best shot and Mm -hmm. I prepared myself thoroughly. So how different was this? How much did it help you? And did you think that in terms of the training and the actual climb, (laughs) were there moments you said, oh my God, I mean, this is nothing like I even thought it was or were you surprised by even thinking that, okay, you are actually prepared for it? Were there moments like this? Yes, yes, there were moments. um, In the last 18 months, I tried to research every bit of section on the climb. Mm -hmm. There are two ways to climb Everest from the Nepal side and the Tibet side. And after researching the details, technical details of the climb from both sides, I decided to climb from the Tibet side and I thoroughly researched the route 
uh, which from the previous climbers on the blogs, what happens from the base camp to the advance and each of the camps, what mm-hmm. is the climb like, what are the tough sections. And for the last 18 months, there were two things which were giving me nightmares. I would often get up in the middle of the night at 2 a.m. with a nightmare of me on the mountain and then I would not be able to sleep for the rest of the night. One was because of the frostbites mm-hmm. because... It's well, well documented in many pictures and documentaries, right, right. frost bites, mm. which happens to many climbers. And the second one on the north side was a particular section just 150 feet below Everest. It's a traverse you're doing on the mountain. And if something goes wrong on the traverse, you're exposed for 12,000 feet on okay. that with mm-hmm. almost no place to even walk. You're almost like on, on the rock with okay. your crampons. And one error you do it, on the yes. mountain, you're, you are having a skydive of 12,000 feet. Good Lord. <laughs> So that was my second nightmare I was having. And whatever you try to do, I try to simulate those kind of things in the Sayadris. But it's different when you know you are with assisted guy with a 20-foot fall. And whereas after 35 days and 40 days on the mountains, exhausted, you will be actually doing it at 28,800 feet. <laughs> just just 150 feet right. below Everest is this particular section. And I was scared about it. And mm. that is a point where many people give it up. And I mean, you can't even go. It's, it's difficult. Time. And it's often sometimes that some of the climbers who have just touched Everest are coming down. So you are caught and you literally, it's such a section that uh, you're literally hanging at some points precariously on the mountain wall. And really one climber has to do a mistake and the entire weight on the rope line can come in, risking the life of other climbers on that wall. So I was very afraid of it, but I prepared. But then I knew, even while I was on the expedition, I knew that this is going to be a tough part. And really till the time I reach that part and do that part, that nightmare is going to continue for me. I prepared well, but I knew one thing, being a very, very active sports person all my life, that it was okay for me to fail. Even if I wanted to abort at that point of time, I knew that I would give it up because for me, it's okay to lose. Many people would have not even dream of reaching the height Mm -hmm. I reached. And if I had to give it up, I would give it up, but not do anything stupid because my research also showed me that a lot of time people have done wrong decisions on the Mm -hmm. mountain at a point where they should be turning back. They didn't turn back and they actually went up further and they died. So I was very conscious about that to not risk anything. I think that is the, I think the strategy in terms of decision making, it should be so critical there, isn't it? Yes, yes. Even what you see in the movies, like the Everest that we saw. Yes. Of course, the incident happened about 20 years back, but has anything, nothing would have really changed in the sense Nothing uh, really changed, you're right. In, in, In that movie, there is a climber who right. uh, reaches is still about two hours away from the summit right. and the expedition the leader in that uh, movie has telling him and, to yeah. uh, go back but he refuses and he continues Continue to climb up but the leader also goes with him and in normally the, that wouldn't have happened in the normally that doesn't happen in the end both of them die in the movie because and in reality because unexpected storm comes in and just last year the same thing happened climber from the police force from Moradabad he was two hours below the summit at 8 o'clock in the morning and his Sherpa told him to turn back and apparently he got caught with the summit fever where you feel, look, I've been just two hours more and let me give it a shot but you should be turning back and his Sherpa deserted him he says, I'm not going to risk but but the climber, 27-year-old decided to climb up further but he never returned back that night and apparently, obviously, he would have died because you can't survive the night out without oxygen on the mountain Mm -hmm. and in the open And next day when the Sherpas went to look for him, they found him dead. So I knew very well that I could land up doing a mistake like that. And I have to be very conscious of the fact that it's okay to give up. And the reason why I had not told anybody, one, Mm. is that there would be two kinds of people I would meet who would tell me, one, why are you doing it? Mm. And can you do it? 
Why do you want to attempt it at 46? Do you have the strength? And so on. And at many point of time on the climb, mm. I felt I should give up. And had those things played on my mind, I probably would have given up. And the second set of people would be the ones who would really encourage you. Say, go man, do right. it. Egg you on. Yeah, like, we will, you know, come we'll do it and you come, come, come back me, yeah. and make us proud and so on. And that's where things go wrong. Mm-hmm. At a point just an hour before where you should be giving up those things. Okay, look, so many people are expecting me to succeed. And then you don't give yourself room for failure. And that's when you do mistakes. So for me to keep it private was one of the best things I did. Because to climb or to not climb on the mountain, mm-hmm. I wanted it to be my decision only. Smart guy. <laughs> <laughs> but wasn't it incredibly lonely sometimes? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Because um, most of the time, in fact, in this trip, my most of my videos are about me talking to myself. Oh, gosh. <laughs> recording You're my, taking it one level higher. Uh, recording my moments alone in the tent, freezing to in the freezing nights at the base camp in Tibet. I would often record of what my day was and what I was going through because it would be difficult to take many pictures outside also right. because it would be extremely cold mm. and I didn't want to expose my hand unnecessarily to take pictures when it was not necessary. But yes, it gets very lonely. Meet other climbers and you try mm. to socialize a bit. But at the end of it, yes, uh, there's a lot of things playing on your mind too about the anxiety about the trip. You are being very cautious about your health, how much you're eating because you lose appetite and you are forcibly stuffing food into your body just to keep up the energy. Mm. On mountains above 15,000 feet, you start losing appetite very fast. At 21,000, it would take me about an hour to finish a bowl of dal. I just, my body would just not take any food. And this happens to all the climbers. That's why you get exhausted. That's why you get exhausted, exactly. Because you one, you're climbing. Secondly, you're not eating. And uh, even to drink water is difficult to drink. Mm. So you add some kind of flavors or sweetness to it to consume water. Also, the whole journey of, you know, one is the loneliness that you feel when you're even climbing that thing. And other part of you keeping the entire thing within yourself, not even sharing it with anyone. That also must have been difficult, yes. right? Very, I mean, because you need to be that mentally strong, you know, to have kept that to yourself and then just work towards that goal. Uh, how did you manage that? It was tough. Uh, only four seniors at workplace uh, who I had to take approval from knew about it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. in my office... Just till about the last week, some news went out, but which I didn't mention, but people came asking me and I denied. I didn't talk about it. In my friends group, which is pretty large, only four or five friends knew about my climb who were helping me with my logistics and planning and researching. They knew about the entire thing and who were trekking with me mm-hmm. for many years very close parties. Nobody knew in the family. So it was it was quite lonely. I would go on training and people would ask me, hey, have you left, uh, left a job? Uh, <laughs> often I would post the pictures with my family just to say, okay, I'm still not divorced. <laughs> because I would be spending a lot of time on the weekends in the mountains. Uh, and uh, yet I didn't want to talk about it because I very well knew that even before I climb, if I have to change my mind, I don't want people to play on my mind even before I climb right. if I want to abort my decision I should be okay with it because even in my training I could get injured sure. and then you and then mm. probably a small injury even like an ankle sprain and you have to call mm. off the entire expedition so I thought it's best to keep this to myself quite remarkable but plus people... I also <laughs> feel that sometimes you first uh, deliver what you want and then the, yeah. you can come back and make all the noise you want <laughs> well said but now people know you can keep secrets yes <laughs> <And> how? yes <laughs> <laughs> you said there were times when you know you kind of contemplated to you know give up give up what were those moments and how did you kind of pull yourself through them those moments 
So I remember on the climb, especially when we were going from camp one at twenty three thousand feet to camp two at twenty five. So how many days does it take? Sorry to go to these okay. points. So yes, it's a question which is often asked to me, but but you cannot climb one direction. You have okay. to climb when you reach the base camp of Everest. You be there for about five to six days to further acclimatize your body. And okay. acclimatization means you are increasing your RBC count in mm. the body so that your oxygen carrying capacity goes up. And then from there you climb up to twenty-three thousand feet, which mm. is camp one, and then you come down again. That's okay. halfway up the mountain. You oh, go wow. up and come down again. <laughs> uh. You again rest for five six days, uh. and then you go up again to twenty-three thousand feet, halfway up the mountain, doing a big climb, and then you come down again to base camp. Ah. and this is really what is called backing up and not backing down <laughs> because really if you don't do that uh-huh. your body will not be acclimatized and you Shut have to completely. do it without oxygen both the times you have to go to 23000 feet and come down otherwise if you can't do 23000 feet without oxygen your expedition leader may tell you to abort the trip you may land up being a liability further up on the mountain at the final summit push so each of these rotations mm-hmm. you acclimatize your body and you you kind of your body gets adapted to what will be happening at the higher altitude and about 23000 feet you may start taking oxygen at 23 and a half or 24000 feet you have six cylinders of oxygen to go up from 23000 and come down back to 23000 so you go up and come down it takes about 6 uh, to 7 days each to go to camp one and come mm-hmm. down you rest then you go up again come down you rest and then you wait for the weather forecast mm-hmm. which we get from uk and us on what are the wind speeds on the mountain going to be mm-hmm. like and you want to summit on a morning when the wind speeds are about 20 kmph more than that could be dangerous mm-hmm. if the wind speeds are higher uh, so you get the wind speeds at 7000 meters mm-hmm. 8000 meters and what's wrong and then once you get the information you choose an ideal day climb up when the wind speeds will be 20 kmph or around there which is okay and you work backwards 6 to 7 days and you leave your base camp mm-hmm. to hit on the summit night there's only one chance to summit mm. because you have only so much energy you and so much oxygen and if you can't do that for whatever reason your body is not good enough or the weather conditions go bad mm. too bad it's yeah. it's over <laughs> so <laughs> right. so you make one attempt and we we got this information on may 7th about the wind speeds on may 16th would mm. be the best suited to climb and then everybody gets the same information and everybody tries to leave on the same time right. and that's why the path gets crowded mm-hmm. It's just just not too many people, but everybody wants to summit right. on the night when the wind speeds are the lowest. Right. I spent about fourteen days in the Tibet base camp at sixteen thousand five hundred feet. Forty days and about few days in Kathmandu where we prepared and then went to the Tibet base camp. And from Tibet base camp, we did these rotations and then we climbed up and came down. And my last leg was eleven days going up from the base camp to Everest and down was eleven days for me. So once you are at the peak. Are you safe? <laughs> like you've done it, <laughs> nothing can go wrong. Times is it like that, or no. anything can just no. still. So, so the first thing which comes to you is as I was talking about uh, this traverse, just one fifty feet right, below right. Everest, which yeah. is a very very scary section on the trip. The most scary section. Mm-hmm. It was more scary than what I'd seen in the video when I was actually passing that at about six uh, o'clock in the morning. And when I traversed that, I right. knew now I would reach Everest because it was just one fifty feet away, yeah. a nice forty five degree slope up, mm-hmm. and I would reach Everest. And I would be happy for a moment. Yes, I will reach, and immediately I would go down a bit damp, and again I would be happy. And look, a climb has to be around. Right, and yeah. I knew I had to summit, but I also had to traverse back the same way down. <laughs> yeah, and you have not slept for about five nights now. You're not been eating, and by the time you reach on the top, you're really exhausted. Mm-hmm. 
you are really mm. exhausted that your biggest fear is will I be left with energy to come down and that's a constant thing you have to keep in mind as mm. you're going up that I should only go up so much that I can come down again yeah. I have enough reserves mm. left me to mm. come down again mm. and I knew this time in my expedition a British climber who had submitted Everest last year this time again at 8600 meters mm. 300 meters below he decided to abort it and says that I knew I would not be left with enough energy to come down mm. he wisely came down not many do that so so you know that a climb has to be a round trip and you have to do it wisely to do that secondly for me what happened was and I knew it would happen to many climbers reading from the past is that you get blisters on your leg and I had some three big blisters on my leg yeah. as I was climbing mm. the last six days it's been really painful and descending time one of the blisters I could feel was mm-hmm. almost like the size of a big marble and that was really really painful with every step I would be taking I was dehydrated mm-hmm. and I took five hours more than what one person should have normally taken to descend down and I actually ran out of oxygen at 25,000 feet when I reached the camp and that night as I was about to sleep I told my tent partner Jitesh bhai my kal utne wala nahi good lord <laughs> because I knew my oxygen would get over by 5 o'clock and mm. I still needed to get down to 23,000 feet which mm. would be by about 10 o'clock so anything could go wrong that night luckily I'm here <laughs> everybody because talks about you reaching there were stories knows. <laughs> stories you still have to and that picture me, baki hai until you reach that down <laughs> that was the worst yeah. uh, the closest I've come to death because I knew when I was coming down I was five hours late I had consumed more oxygen when you are walking you consume more oxygen than mm. when you're sitting in your tent mm. you are taking very minimal oxygen mm. because you're just sitting so I had used up most of my oxygen mm. and I knew things could go wrong here wow, that's really the and hand of God I guess yes it, it, I was lucky to survive that night and, and that's why people feel that it's just reaching up how did you reach up <laughs> no but <laughs> even the next day I was I came down slowly with the blisters on my leg mm. and I remember as soon as I reached back the advanced space camp in all the pain I was like almost uh, walking at a snail's pace out there back mm. I was like just pulling myself back and as soon as I came back to the tent I took some needles and picked my ah. blisters to let it dry uh, it was very painful and oh, then I rested at the advanced camp for two mm-hmm. nights before I came back to the lower base camp. And you're I was alone exhausted. at that point. Huh? I no was way. alone with my Sherpa. Okay. Other climbers were on different schedules. So mm-hmm. I was there with my Sherpa all the time. And I owe a lot of my time to my Sherpa who is mm-hmm. there with me at all mm-hmm. times. And they are really the reason for your success, sure. the Sherpas. You, you can't they share that journey with they you. They share the journey with you right to the top. Right. And all the way back, my Sherpa was with me at all times, just ensuring my safety. They're the underrepresented heroes, I think. They are the underrepresented heroes. To you, unfortunately, you know, and, uh, yes, the though they lead their lives. Though most of the climbers, I have not met a climber yet so far who has said that he could do it without a Sherpa. I'm sorry, we were, we were also talking about the most difficult when you want to do a turn yeah. away. So, the first was when I was climbing from mm-hmm. camp one to yeah. camp two, and we were just three hours before. It's mm-hmm. a, about a seven hour climb, mm-hmm. and just about a 45 degree slope on a ridge. You're climbing for seven hours. Though it was a nice weather in the morning, four hours into the climb, we saw a storm coming. You can see that storm coming. We can see the clouds uh, coming in. Mm. And for two hours, we were caught in a storm. We were walking through the storm. And I was fearing, look, this is another movie Everest in the making. (laughs) Everest, yeah. In the making. Because Mm. that's what happens. The storm comes. It can go worse or Mm. it can taper off. And for two hours as we were climbing, I was worried that night that... uh, I would be caught up with cold and frostbites by the mm. time I reach the camp at 25,000 feet, camp 2. Yeah. But just about um, two hours, I still continued walking. And after I reached my tent, after some time, the snowstorm came down mm. and then it died that night. But that yeah. was one point when I said, look, I should not go further. The second part was the last night's climb. 
when we leave camp 3 at 27000 feet for the summit at 29000 feet we start at about 11 o'clock in the night mm. and there are two particularly dangerous sections the entire climb is on the north face of everest mm. and it's fully exposed the okay. entire entire mountain is fully exposed mm-hmm. means one step wrong or something goes mm. in slightest of mistake and you, your gravity will take over so that night there are two sections called step 2 uh, which is a very very steep section mm. about 40 feet steep vertical climb and the traverse both are points when you feel at one point of step 2 i said even if i climb this section how will i come how down come down right should i abort it here should i come here because by the time i come down it will be i'll be too dead tired mm. and this is a vertical wall and you can see just about 8000 feet down mm. into the the base of the mountain and that's when you think about it's okay give it mm. up but somehow my sherpa reassured me let's be careful and mm. do it and i thought uh, with all my practice i would at least attempt it now at that point of time i thought that okay i have the energy let me attempt to go up and we'll see what happens right. <laughs> at that point of time i knew i was good on time at 8 o'clock in the morning you wherever you reach on the mountain you are supposed to turn back so if, even if you leave at 11 in the night are. wherever you are reached on the mountain you have to turn back so that you can reach back your camp while it's still good daylight and oh. the winds are still low as the day grows older winds speeds increase and the chances of a storm are higher so you want to come back by about early afternoon into the camp What is this? You know, we base camp. So, how does this camp look actually? <laughs> What are the facilities this camp has? <laughs> so, the base is, is there security? Is there like a you know you feel very secure over there, or is it just like how is it as? So, the camp is nothing. Just a few tents okay. on an open plateau on the Tibet side. Just a few tents. Mm. There, uh, the only facility is your four by six tent. that's the only facility there is a dining tent where mm-hmm. there is a cook i'm talking of the lower base camps right. at the higher camps mm-hmm. you don't cook you don't carry any stuff only mm-hmm. you get is hot water and you carry packaged food with you but at the lower camps you are in a in a kind of a tent which is called a dining tent where you mm-hmm. sit most of the day try to eat something whatever mm-hmm. you can and then you go back to sleep in your tent which mm-hmm. is your 6x4 tent with all your stuff in there and the same is the setup at advanced camp and then there is one common tent which mm-hmm. is like a toilet out there okay so you have one and, uh, it's it's a toilet <laughs> which is not easy to sit on it's okay. um, a very funny story so it's like a small tent and uh, all the human waste on mm. the mountain has to be carried down back oh. can't be left on the mountain unlike people feel that they mm-hmm. dirty the mountain all the human waste ha- mm. people have to answer the nature's call into a barrel a drum okay. which is placed on two wobbly rocks Good on rock. the mountain okay <laughs> and there are 20 people who answer the call into that drum in the morning squatting in a sumo style not even like it is not easy <laughs> on two wobbly rocks and god forbid the and the tent is pushing it's high winds the tent is pushing you and you know that one miss step <laughs> and you're literally in deep <laughs> shit deep shit <laughs> literally in the shit <laughs> yeah, literally in the shit oh good and uh, 20 people are attending the call for 5 days so it's not a pleasant yeah. smell at all <laughs> and then once it's full that the barrel is carried down into a local village oh, much gosh. lower on the mountain mm-hmm. and disposed of and uh, and that's how it is you keep the mountain clean you be responsible mountaineers whoever that ga- poor the- guys who has to carry that down <laughs> <laughs> they charge yeah. a lot of money for that yes <laughs> they should <laughs> so uh so once you reached there the summit what were your immediate feelings were you numb were you with excitement did it strike you were you like okay no big deal i'm too exhausted <laughs> <laughs> 
So one thing I knew that once you reach up, uh, you will have about five minutes. Yeah, I was asking how many minutes did it yeah, take so, you? So typically you spend about five to six minutes Just at five the to most six minutes, okay. because you can't sit up more. Your body starts getting cold. It's mm-hmm. very cold up there. And you also have a time factor in mind. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have six minutes five to six minutes in all in which you spend the first two, three minutes just admiring the beautiful view you right. get from them. It's the ultimate 360 view right. you can get in the world, right? <laughs> and sure. all the mountains which even from the base camp look like towers. Yeah. They, you look down upon them as like small peaks. <laughs> it's an amazing sight out mm-hmm. there. And the only thing for me was I was thanking the heavens for just inviting me here. For me, the mountains are a lot of energy. I believe Mm. on the mountains, there are certain powers which work on the mountain. And I feel however hard you try in your life, unless and until you are invited, you will not reach there. You believe that? I I strongly believe that there needs to be an invitation for you. No matter however hard you try, you won't reach if you are not invited. So you thank the invitation, the the forces that... (laughs) beckoned you <laughs> and yes you, you you thank them and and uh, being in the mountains for many years i know the certain karmic forces of which work there's mm-hmm. destiny which works visited a lot of buddhist monasteries heard spoken to many monks before and, and somehow i i knew that this would have to be an invitation for me some karma some good karma for me to right. even get here and i would need a lot of good karma to even reach back down <laughs> safely <laughs> probably i've exhausted all my good karma quota <laughs> So you thank the heavens, you appreciate the view, you take some pictures. You are, of course, elated like it's and you're in, in a shock that you've reached. Right. You know, it's just like you dreamt and you're actually on the top of the world. It's, it's something which is just uh, taking you further <laughs> high up in right. the mountain that you're on the top of the world. And probably this is this is, it. The, this is one dream in life which uh, will be, you can say you've made your life worth it. Right. Life worth it. And uh, so, so you're really thankful and... Uh, uh, you enjoy the view, you take some photographs which you have to uh, show down back, uh, some videos to prove that you actually climbed to get your... You have to prove it. Yes. How do you prove that? So, so you take some videos and photos of the neighboring mountains and you without the mask, without the oxygen mask and without your goggles. Mm-hmm. So that you can be seen the in full face right, huh? uh, with the mountain backdrop mm-hmm. uh, needs to be shown. Otherwise, anybody could say I was there. Right, 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 right. So you need to do that. And, and then yeah, we saw that. I think you're... The pictures there, I think, the orange yes. suit and mm-hmm. your, uh, you, yes. you took a selfie. That was a selfie. <laughs> no, my, my share part took <laughs> oh, okay. I was too scared to take off my glove. <laughs> I requested my share part to take all the pictures because it was extremely cold. And I mm-hmm. said, uh, Mingma, I a photo. Nikalo. So he knew that he had to take my pictures and videos for mm-hmm. the certification. And we did that and we said, let's go. <laughs> we can have all our emotions down the way. And actually, I felt more excited. I, I really felt like I was on the top of the world only after I reached the police reached, camp. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> That's when you feel like it. You feel, man, now you've done it. Now you can see you're safe. You've done it. Mm. And as I said, the climbing has to be the round trip. And right. understand that it's over. <laughs> yeah, you it's can't not over. Be on top of and the And mentally, world. when you're at the top, you also know that mm. it's not going to be easy down. Mm. It's going to be slippery. You're exhausted. And I generally find climbing coming down more tougher than yeah, going is, up. Yeah, it is. I think it is. It's, it's so... Yeah. I remember once when there was this huge rock and it was quite... Um, it's not a hill or something. It was... My family with me. <laughs> we were like, wait, it would be great to just go and climb it. And there were hardly any people. And we just climbed up. And then we realized, no, even, even we didn't even have our sporting shoes. And then we were like, oh, oh 
ready. to climb uh, putting up our gear mm. all again so i had not been sleeping for many nights right. and i knew that uh, exhaustion would catch up mm. with me and the real joy would be and the kick would set in only once i am right. complete so mm. but yes i was really thankful and i can't tell you how beautiful the view was mm-hmm. from there it, you are really you are happy you are yeah. happy and uh, but the real glory kicks in only when you are down <laughs> that took you how many days it, to- i took about 4 days because i days. recovered back at advance camp with my blisters on and mm. i was totally dehydrated uh, when i reached back the advance camp at 21000 feet i was just sitting in the tent the whole day trying to drink water mm. i was so dehydrated and i must have had about 8 liters of water that day mm. i was so dehydrated do they have those emergency medical equipments or sal- sal- saline or something they have in case it happens but for me it was pure dehydration right. pure dehydration which mm. happened Amazing. so all this time you were completely cut off from your family members and there was no communication at all what was the point wherein you could speak speak with them and actually technology has evolved <laughs> okay. other than the, uh, the which are the networks up there they should put up an camp. ad atel <laughs> <laughs> 4g china mobile no <laughs> nepal it doesn't work but uh, okay. on the china side where uh-huh. i was climbing from the network works at other than advanced camp which is behind a particular mountain uh-huh. the network works including data even on everest wow now that's a few <laughs> indian needs to follow from china again <laughs> in this building where wow. we are sitting i struggle for network right. exactly <laughs> but not on everest oh, and gosh. unfortunately it's, it's too really cold fun. to take out your phone and it, it just freezes at that in that cold but but it works at camp 3 also at 27000 feet i did a video call with my wife oh, on okay. my mobile <laughs> I had a chat with mm-hmm. a couple of friends, wished me best of luck, and told me to be wise and mm-hmm. do it safe, and uh, chanted uh, some prayers of Om Namah Shivaya for me for my blessings. So that's fine, and uh, but it works. So I was in touch with my family right. till all you time. You could charge your. The next day, my phones had when I was coming down. What happened was my phones froze at the mountain oh. because of the cold. Okay. and the battery died and i told my wife that i would call her back by 1 o'clock in the afternoon as soon as i'm back at advance camp i didn't know that network would work higher mm. up but unfortunately my phones froze and i reached camp back at 6 pm in the night totally exhausted and for those five hours everybody here my friends and my wife were sitting and were tense because they hadn't heard right. uh, from me and natural fears had set in mm. about something had, mm-hmm. having gone wrong mm. the satellite phone which my sherpa was carrying also froze mm. and um, we were out of communication mm-hmm. when i reached back 6 o'clock at the camp i just took a power uh, bank with me down which mm. was there charged my phone for 2 minutes and i just told my wife i did it <laughs> i did it wow. and that was and that she was waiting to listen listen because she always used to ask me one thing can you do it and <laughs> i did it and i did it and i heard us screaming shouting somewhere on the other side of the phone he did it he did it and i said i am not in a position to talk anymore and i kept the phone <laughs> were you emotional at that point yes i was i was it was starting to sink yes that i have yeah. i have done something not only a dream but but a really a dream which very few people make very few people would attempt and right. very very few people would actually be able to succeed at it right 
Amazing. It's lovely to hear this. So what's next? <laughs> so the journey has just begun. <laughs> I don't know what to say that the journey is over for me. It's mm. uh, opening so many more options for me now. Mm. And after I've come back obviously I've been very busy trying to also talk to many people, many invitations to talk about my climb and I do try to share a message to them about mm. um, being healthy, fit, work life balance, chasing your passion. Mm. I was speaking last week in Goa on it's never too late to chase your dreams right. and uh, so I'm sharing the message across right mm. now but I have started preparing for my next climb and I think I'm happy just having that particular sport in my life and, mm. and that's mountains have been an anchor in my life. I've gone through lots of ups and downs because I had this consistent anchor with me, something to do all my life. So my next climb is as I said uh, one of the summits in the other six continents most people look at the seven summits in seven continents followed by either a skiing trip to the north pole and the south pole and i think i can do that <laughs> oh, wow. you know how to ski yes i know how to ski i learned okay. that while i lived in canada, in canada okay <laughs> so yes i can do some refresher and do some cross country skiing again maybe it is those mountains also calling you i mean yes. everything connects isn't it you're skiing also I it's mean. so connected so for me this entire experience was as if destiny was coming across to make it happen for me mm. and there's a saying in hindi ki mm. jab kuch hona hai to puri kainat aa jayegi mm. wo pura karne ke liye mm. and that summarizes my entire experience mm. ever since i made my decision to climb right. so many people walked into my life by sheer chance i bumped into people for example one of the trainers i was yeah. in 2016 doing a trek to nanda devi east mm-hmm. in kumau region and i met a guy who was coming down with an italian client and we just said hi hello and about 6 months later somebody in nepal where i wanted to go for training says why do you want to come here go and train with one of the best trainers in india private mm-hmm. trainers in india dhruv joshi and i know him and then i called him and then dhruv who stays in mm-hmm. the mountains in almora trained me for most of the climbing skills as a private trainer by sheer chance i bumped into him and he says look i know we have, i've met before and i'll train you and similarly so many other people in mumbai and so many other people i met came by sheer coincidences mm-hmm. so much information about what i needed to do in the climb came right. to me correctly my timing at work the yeah. support from my seniors amazing my team members mm-hmm. itself so everything just came together right. to to make it happen <laughs> Your Sherpa. My Sherpa. Okay. And the team that you climbed with. We didn't speak about that. So how many people from your team, uh, there was a team, or the group of people, all of them managed to scale the Everest? So when the team forms, because you go and identify an agency who you think will provide you with the best logistical support and a Sherpa to climb with. And similarly, other climbers from all over the world select an agency. Right. and and a sherpa they want to climb with and that forms a team you mm. really don't know the rest of the team yeah. members it's okay. only you meet them first when you mm. arrive in kathmandu that these are the people you are going to climb with and your really thing is you now need to know to learn to adjust with various yeah. people and there's not much time mm. and everybody has come there with a right. particular mission in mind mm. but yes people are generally friendly mm. climbers are a little bit more uh, friendlier i find and you know much more humble so we gel very well you are the only ones you'll have i think yeah we have <laughs> each <that>. other's <laughs> for company for the next six Six to seven weeks. Were you the only Indian? In no, group? for me there was another person from Mumbai this time. Uh, okay. From Mumbai. From Mumbai itself, okay. and this was his second attempt. Mm-hmm. He attempted it first in 2016 from Nepal side, but uh, he couldn't uh, reach. I think he reached up to 8,100 meters, okay. and then had to turn back because his health was not well. And he submitted now this time again through from Tibet. through Tibet side. But till last year, only three Mumbaikers had mm-hmm. climbed Everest. This year, three more climbed. You're the fifth one or the sixth one? Three, okay. so I'd say fourth or fifth one, yeah. I would say. But from the corporate world. 
world yes i yeah, was you're the, the only <laughs> really a corporate world uh, that was a big yeah. achievement for me so this team was there and there were three britishers two from poland australian australian and a lady young lady from us 28 years old she was the youngest mm. in the team and out of the 10 six of us summited including the friend now from mumbai and some of the people we thought were the strongest in the group actually couldn't do it okay is couldn't it? do it that's quite surprising yeah the 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 person from uk who mm. was the strongest he decided to abort it at 8600 meters so all of this you know i don't know stereotyping or so when you make a group you know you have the one guy whom you okay he's like he yes, seems to be the strongest, strongest. <laughs> <laughs> so where do i kind of fall in the order do you have one yes, of those things yes, those dynamics those dynamics, <laughs> those dynamics happen man <laughs> oh man he reached till this point in 2 hours and i'm struggling to <laughs> yeah. reach it in 4 hours uh-huh. and he's strong and mm. he will climb right. and uh, those things work and some of the people could have a strong appetite and i was struggling to eat the other person <laughs> from mumbai was struggling to eat mm. and we were like uh, mm. the one person from austria he couldn't eat it anything and everybody was urging him to eat saying that if he goes up on the climb without eating he will die but he couldn't eat and actually later on he did fell sick but did he make it up no he didn't make oh, it okay. uh, he he got caught with frostbite too frostbite so those things happen but uh, the end scary looking yes. at these people you know yes. how important is that team also that you're going up with so sometimes it's it's uh, i believe in lot of energies very cliche but yes i believe that energies work and people mm. rub off energies to each right. other and the better the group dynamics the better it is for <laughs> yeah. us sometimes a negative energy of a mind or a mm. body can pull the entire energy of the group you will be still climbing with your sherpa but mm. i think at the end of it yeah it's a collective thing it's, it's a collective thing which which happens more mind right after more more mind so when you see a person a team member falling sick you you also feel a bit low because mm. um, i feel i could fall sick Yeah. your your mind gets weak right. and while people even often ask me the question between the mind versus the physical strength what i knew one thing very well as i was preparing for the mountain that mm. my mind needs to be strong but in the end it's only my feet which will make me climb it's not like a 21 kilometer marathon where i've run 19 and right. the mm. last 2 kilometers my mind mm. will say okay do it and i will mm. stretch it here you are on the mountain high up on the mountain mm. your mind will make you survive a lot of hostile conditions but it cannot make you climb only your feet and your lungs can make you climb right. and that's why i prepared myself to say look my mind cannot make me climb i need to prepare myself and that's what i think i did smartly i prepared my body just not my mind was strong but i could just not rely on it to make me climb mountains right. thank you so much for your time thank you so much all the best thank you so much <laughs> thank you With the new iPhone SE for less than a hundred bucks at Metro, you rule. It's the most affordable iPhone on the number one brand in prepaid. So whether you're studying online or FaceTiming, hey mom, hi dear, the iPhone SE has all you need. Switch to Metro and get the iPhone SE for ninety nine ninety nine after rebate redemption and six months of service with AutoPay. Metro by T-Mobile, rule your day. Limit one per account slash household requires port and ID validation. Not valid for numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past ninety days. Restrictions apply. See store for details.